In 2014, Mike McSherry was a man looking for a mission. Mike is a longtime tech guy. He worked at Microsoft, he co-founded a few mobile tech companies of his own, and most famously, he led Swipe. That's the tech on your keyboard that lets you kind of swipe between letters instead of tapping on each letter individually. So Mike helped sell Swipe to Nuance Communications, and he was working there, but he wanted to start something new. Eventually, Mike met up with Mary Haggard, a former Microsoft and Amazon leader who was working on a new startup incubator. But here's the catch. She was working on it at Providence St. Joseph Health, a huge healthcare system. They were looking for entrepreneurs who wanted to create health companies. And Mike was looking for a way to change the world. Sure, everyone's got a screwed up story about healthcare. This must be all this low hanging fruit. We'll solve something. <laughs> that's Mike himself. And that's also not quite how things worked out. Mike and Mary are doing something far outside the norm for health. But despite the challenges, it seems to be working. Mike and his team ran through several different ideas, and eventually they landed on one that stuck and founded Zelth, Providence's first spin-out. Mary worked with Mike and the other Zelth co-founders to help them develop the company and spin it out. And she's also working with other entrepreneurs in residence at Providence to help them do the same thing. Mike and Mary are learning a lot about how to innovate from the inside out and apply that consumer-minded tech approach to a complicated healthcare system. On this episode, we hear about that journey blazing into something that no one's really done before. From GeekWire.com in Seattle, I'm Claire McGrain. Welcome to Health Tech, where we take you to the cutting edge of digital health. Stay with us. GeekWire's Health Tech podcast is brought to you by Providence St. Joseph Health's Digital and Innovation Group, leveraging best-in-class digital tools to relentlessly reimagine health and healthcare. Follow them on Twitter at ProvInnovation, that's twitter.com slash P-R-O-V innovation. Providence St. Joseph Health's Digital and Innovation Group, making it easier, more collaborative, and more rewarding to take charge of your health. As close followers of Health Tech will know, we do live shows occasionally for our podcast. This is one of those live shows. It was taped on location at the headquarters of our sponsor, Providence St. Joseph Health in downtown Seattle. So you'll hear us referring to the live audience throughout the show. They're watching via Facebook Live. And if you want to see the full live show, which has a little bit more content, or get notifications about future live shows, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash geekwire. Okay, let's jump in. Welcome to GeekWire's Health Tech Podcast. I'm Claire McGrain. And I'm Todd Bishop. Our guests on the show this week are Mike McSherry and Mary Haggard. You may recognize Mike as the longtime CEO of Swipe, but he is currently the co-founder and CEO of Zelf, a digital prescription platform. Mary is the Vice President of Consumer Innovation at Providence St. Joseph Health, which is very relevant because Zelf is the first spin-out from Providence's internal startup incubator. Thanks very much to both of you for being here. It's great to have you here. You're welcome. Thank you. So let's start by giving people in the audience a quick overview of, of what you each do. First, Mike, can you give us your 30-second elevator pitch? No pressure. I know this is the entrepreneurial uh, requirement here, but can you give us your 30-second elevator pitch on Zelf and, and what you do? We're a software platform that lets doctors easily prescribe digital services to patients. And those could be patient education materials, apps, enroll in programs, get devices, 
Uber rides for visits, you name it, and then we track the patient's usage and engagement and show it back to the doctors with, within their EHR charting environment. So it's all within one work, workflow for their day-to-day uh, -day use. Okay, Mike, I'm still a digital health and healthcare novice. EHR, electronic health records? Correct. It's the uh, software platform that doctors and clinicians use to chart what's wrong with you, what's going on, the prescription referrals, the billing authorizations, all that. That's good. Claire is the health tech expert here in case it's, it's going to become <laughs> increasingly obvious as we go along here. Yes. And Mary, let's let's hear a bit about what you do at Providence. Sure. Yeah. So I run the, the consumer incubator here. And what we are is a group of people from outside of healthcare. So we're from Amazon and Microsoft and Nordstrom and Starbucks and uh, WebMD and all over the place. And basically what we're asked to do is come in and take a look at healthcare's biggest problems and how would the consumer industry solve them. Um, so we worked really closely with Zelth um, as part of their incubator incubation, uh, and we've got three other efforts underway. So one is called Circle, um, and that is available to patients at Providence and at Swedish, uh, and it is a women's, a mobile women's health platform that gives personalized care for a woman or her family. Uh, we work on optimal aging, um, which is a set of non-clinical services that our clinicians recommend to help uh, seniors live at home safely as long as possible. Uh, and we work on Care IQ, which is a way for the doctors in our ERs and urgent care centers to help people um, get access to services like uh, drug addiction treatment, um, uh, homeless shelters, food um, security programs, uh, medication, uh, financial assistance, those types of things. Uh, and we put basically a Yelp type interface on top of that. Mm -hmm. We're going to get into this a little later on, but you run, as you're saying, an incubator yes. inside a health system. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty remarkable thing when you think about it. What's that like? <laughs> <laughs> the good or the bad? It's been absolutely amazing for us. Um, we get to to come into healthcare and work with some of the most incredible people I've ever been around. Uh, the clinicians um, here at Providence and, and Swedish and, and across our whole health system uh, have been incredible um, in the way they have supported us and, and helped us. And we're just, uh, it's an honor for us to be able to help them and, and help our patients and improve their, their health and their lives. So we're going to get into some of the uh, the specific products and other companies that you mentioned later. Let's talk about Zelf and how the company started, because I think it's a really interesting story that has a lot of ramifications well beyond what just you guys are doing. So, Mike, you, unlike some other folks who are healthcare entrepreneurs, you didn't have a background in healthcare. You had this tech background. Tell us what drew you to being an entrepreneur in Providence, joining as an entrepreneur in residence, basically. Well, we sold Swipe to Nuance, and Nuance is big in voice recognition, and doctors have adopted voice recognition for a long while uh, with no dictation, and so Dragon Medical is a big business. So we got exposed to that a little bit while we were at Nuance. Uh, after selling Swipe, I had also joined the PacMed board, Pacific Medical, and shortly thereafter, they merged with Providence. So I got exposed to the broader Providence. And Providence has 100-plus thousand employees, the biggest in you know five states, et cetera. But uh, with that, I met the Providence leadership. And as I was looking to leave Nuance, they had said, why don't you come in and think about healthcare? And I said, well, there's a team. I, I've worked with this team for a number of years. And I said, why don't four of you come in and brainstorm ideas in healthcare? I'm like, Sure, everyone's got a screwed up story about healthcare. There must be all this low hanging fruit. We'll solve something. And I could go on into how we incubated Zelth within Providence or just stop there. Let's start with some of the other ideas you had. I know yeah. you had some ideas that didn't quite pan out. So I'm curious to hear from both of you what, what were some of the failed ideas you had thought of and, and why were they not quite so successful? 
one of the ideas that, that didn't make it for us, um, I don't even remember how many um, facilities we have that have kitchens that are not being used the majority of the day, right? And so we had this brilliant idea that we could actually create a healthy meal delivery business. Um, and then because we all sort of know the, the Seattle area tech community, we started asking questions about how that would work and, and found out that, you know, meal preparation is not the hard part of a business like that. It's actually the delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was also just this uh, this feeling that, boy, nobody's going to want to eat a dinner that got cooked in a hospital cafeteria. So we sort of, that that one was an idea that we thought, wow, we've got extra capacity. We could do something interesting with it. But the reality of actually creating a business out of that just was never going to happen. One that I, I looked at was yield management. Hotels do it. Airlines do it. Different pricing, different you know booking availability. So why not do that in healthcare? But then you start looking at the moral values and the rich can afford the good booking times. And so you're leaving the the poor and the vulnerable and shift workers to, you know, being exposed to uh, some inopportune. It's just not equitable in healthcare. So it all boils down to a, a level playing field of uh, equitable uh decision-making in some ways. As I understand it, you actually went into the health system, went into hospitals, Mike, and looked at the problems, floated your ideas by the doctors. How did the doctors react to some of your initial ideas? I I recall we would line up some meeting and, hey, let's go meet the chief of oncology. I don't know what they'll tell us our problems. And then you'd there'd be 15 people in the room like, oh, my God, they have all these problems. And then you realize, like, I don't know a thing about oncology. I can't unless you guys are going to quit your day jobs and come join me. And I, I, I can't try to solve this. So that's why we ended back up at Core Software. But this speaks to why you bring entrepreneurs inside, mm-hmm. right, Mary? And yep. that gets to the larger purpose of the incubator. What have you found? What's the power that you've found from bringing entrepreneurs into the system to come up with their innovations as opposed to being outside. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that, um, you see it when we when we bring um, you know teams like Mike's in or teams like they're working on these other products. When we put them in the room with with doctors, I mean, magic can just happen sometimes. Um, you actually are able to hear a problem that they've got and say, you know, wow, when I was at Starbucks, we would have solved it like this. Or when I was at Nordstrom, we would have solved it like this. And and we've seen some pretty incredible solutions come from that. The biggest thing that we do in the incubator is we listen. We work with hundreds of patients, dozens of clinicians, and we just, uh, we listen to what the problems are and, and use consumer best practices to build the solutions. So let's talk specifically about the problem and the solution that Zelth is solving. You gave us your elevator pitch earlier, Mike, but can you go into a little more detail? Where are you in terms of the development of this startup and and what are you doing specifically? Sure. We sat alongside an innovation group and we saw them trialing dozens of different programs and it could be solutions for oncology or pathway around a surgery or patient education video specific to a clinical area. And these pilots had such a hard time getting integrated into the physician workflow. It's back to that single EHR interface that doctors loathe to leave. So if it's not built into that software platform, they rarely will touch it. And so that was one of the uh, observations. And the second was the patient experience. These, These patients that are suffering from disease X the doctors sometimes are like, hey, so you're going to go to this website and log into this company you've never heard of, and they're going to take care of you. And patients like, 
what? I've never heard of that company. And you want me to enter my social security number? I'm getting emails. And who is this company again? So it's like this entirely fragmented alternative experience. So, you know, $15 billion have been invested in digital health, but it's not integrated into the provider system. So we built a platform that is built within the physician's interface. It's a recommendation engine of all the clinical conditions of that patient, their eligibility for you know, payer-supported services, age, gender, all the recommendation uh, analytics that would go into it. And then when a physician hits prescribe, we flow it through to embedding that within the patient portal. Um, so it's all embedded within the single sign-on for the patient experience. And then we round-trip the usage analytics send reminders to the patient if they haven't done things as suggested by the doc. And ultimately, if there's noncompliance, we notify the care team, patient has not done X. That X might be life-threatening, or it might be, ah, we'll just keep that as an analytic record. Mm-hmm. So this sounds like a fairly simple solution, on the surface, at least. Yes. <laughs> Why has no one done this before? What's the big challenge here? No, surprisingly, it wasn't done. But you know, think back to healthcare. Ten years ago, doctors used to handwrite a prescription on a piece of paper, and you would take that handwritten signature to a pharmacy, and they would validate with a visual eye check, yeah, you're good for that drug. Let me give it to you. And now that's all been electronically embedded, and that's not happened in the world of digital services. Hey, you should enroll in a weight loss program. Hey, you should... Uh, you know, get this app. Hey, this device is going to manage your sleep apnea. You go on and on and on. So yes, we were surprised it wasn't done. And now that we've built it, everyone says, oh, great idea. So it wasn't like a foresight of like, someone said you should solve this. It was just through the trial and error of like, what's not being done? What are the pain points that we ended up with this platform that seems to solve a, a huge pain point and will lead to a greater adoption? Can I jump in? Because I actually Please. think there's a there's a magic that you guys have done and, and to, to what they've done that nobody has done before. And that's that you realize that people will do what their doctors tell them to do. You know, I mean, in the consumer industry, you're used to an email going out and, and it's an email about a, um, a digital tool and you'll get one or two percent response rate on it. Right. If we get it prescribed, we'll see 20, 25, 30 percent response on it um, because people will take that trusted advisor's recommendation um, and, and they'll do that. And I think that's that is a lot of the magic of what what these guys have done. And how do you decide what to put in the marketplace? You mentioned Uber rides earlier, right? So you're not just talking about weight loss programs, but this is pretty broad. So we're letting medical leadership tell tell us. At one point, we thought, well, should we hire a chief medical officer ourselves? And we're like, well, that person's going to be a specialist in something, but not everything. And so how are we going to credibly say we know what's best for patient care? And we let the medical leadership tell us what services they want to launch, uh, what they're prioritized on, what their digital strategies and digital goals are. And we can embed these different vendor solutions in days or weeks versus what had been quoted in months or years previously. So we're a little bit of a, a piloting trial, ease of deployment path. And our very first product that we launched was in-house Mary's Circle app that she was referencing. And again, whenever we saw a due date entered in the system, we triggered that uh, a mom should, uh, or soon-to-be mom, should download this app and help manage maternity care. But it's since expanded into other um, women's health issues. Let's talk about Circle. That was something that's, it's also being incubated currently. It has not yet spun out, but it is available 
as an app it's already. available as an app yeah to uh, providence and actually a couple of other health systems as well so yeah what is it so it is basically um when we went out and, and talked with patients about what they wanted from a health system um, we just kept hearing the same three things over and over again um, trusted information resources in my community and easy access to you give it to me on my phone basically what we built with circle um, is a tool that um, when you download it it asks you some questions about yourself it ties to your medical record it ties to the medical records of your kids um, and then it pulls forward information uh, that is relevant to you on an ongoing basis so everything from it's time to get your two-year-old in for shots to hey you let us know that um, you're you're struggling with losing weight um, so here's a discount on Weight Watchers um, and uh, lots of different things like that. So basically what we're doing there is establishing an ongoing relationship with the female head of household um, and allowing our, our health system to become top of mind for her when she does need to get health care. Um, we make it so she thinks about us first. We're going to take a quick break from our conversation with Mike and Mary. When we get back, We'll take questions from our listeners and also ask about some of the big challenges facing healthcare. GeekWire's Health Tech Podcast is brought to you by Providence St. Joseph Health's Digital and Innovation Group, helping to shift the industry from sick care to healthcare. Providence St. Joseph Health empowers people to take a greater role in managing and improving their health. Building on Providence's history as a disruptor, the Digital and Innovation Group leverages best-in-class digital tools to reimagine a better consumer experience in healthcare. Building healthier communities requires meaningful and personalized relationships that make Providence St. Joseph Health a trusted partner in people's lives. Follow the Digital and Innovation Group on Twitter at ProvInnovation. That's twitter.com slash P-R-O-V innovation. Now back to the show. Welcome back. Today on Health Tech, we're sharing our recent live show with Mike McSherry and Mary Haggard. We're going to jump back into the conversation with a question from our live audience. Again, if you're interested in watching this live show or seeing future live shows where you can ask your own questions, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash geekwire. Okay, let's hear that audience question. Just a reminder, if you're watching on the Facebook live stream, we are able to see your questions and we can ask them. And in fact, we have our first tough question from uh, Andrea. Get ready for it, Mike. <laughs> Andrea. <laughs> she, she says, uh, where's the failover for digitally sending post-op instructions versus mail? Uh, she knows her mom likes paper because digital follow-up uh, takes too much time to log in. Uh, get email, being post-op on a general, she wants the paper right there when, when she wakes up. She worries that this might not help if it's just digital. Yeah, there's a, a segmentation of which patients are ready and most likely, and the physician can make that determination as to whether or not the patient would rather engage in a digital manner or uh, do the, the paper-based uh, traditional method. Okay. So we, we have filtering algorithms that would segment against the patient readiness for digital solutions. But one of the big challenges in healthcare is just cost. And traditionally, you need more work done, let's hire more bodies. And that can't retain as the de facto. And that's the de facto for 100% of patients, whereas maybe only 20% want paper-based and the rest want digital, but there's no digital going on right now. So we're, we're solving for what we perceive to be the, the broader future need. Okay. That's really interesting. How much of your thought process is, this really works well in the general interest tech world, something like Yelp, 
mm-hmm. how can we apply that to healthcare? Is that is that a big part of it? I would say that that's the reason why we have staffed the incubator the way we have, um, is we've brought people in from the consumer industry and partner them really closely with the clinicians here. Um, and our job is to figure out new ways to solve these problems in formats that people are familiar with. I'm curious, Mike, what advice would you give to general interest tech entrepreneurs who think they know a thing or two about healthcare and might want to come in and, and try and disrupt it? Is it is it doable? Is it even something they should think about? Or is it just this insurmountable problem that they, they should give up on? Well, when we considered, you know, okay, healthcare, sure, big industry, want to do something a little more meaningful. Should we do it on the inside at Prov or ourselves? And we're like, ah, it seems like it's, you know, these problems are like peeling back layers of the onion. So when you're closer to the inside, the 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 better off you are. Now, that's there's the U.S. healthcare system, what, almost 20% of the GDP, I think that puts it at like the fifth biggest economy in the world, you know, just ahead of or behind Germany. I mean, it's massive. So if you're a startup, do you want to try on a consumer thing, selling a product generically on Amazon or in retail stores? Do you want to focus on the payer space? Do you want to focus on the provider hospital space? Do you want to – there's just so many different elements, and, and each would have its own vertical choice of how to try to get involved in that aspect of the industry. And it's very, very hard to build something that spans a need for all aspects uh, except that you're all trying to improve care. So unless you're going completely consumer, I think incubating from the insider alongside one of these big payers, big pharma, big retail uh, systems is is the way to try to innovate. And we always said, well, what would Elon Musk do? And you know, I think every startup entrepreneur kind of does that. And well, would he innovate from the inside? No, he'd build a brand new hospital and he'd you know reinvent diagnostic machinery and he'd, you know, have AI tools, you know, et cetera. But, but healthcare still requires the human touch. There's still the, the monopoly on proximity and location and ambulance services and acute hospitalization care. And, and so I, I think you need to work with the existing system and incrementally innovate from the outside in. And there are ways that you can leapfrog that incrementalism but to blow up the whole system and rebuild from scratch, I think, is untenable in healthcare. Let's take a, a bit of a step back and talk kind of generally about what all of the things we've been talking about are doing. They're trying to find a way to basically make the patient experience better to improve someone's health, which might not be the first place you think of starting. You might think of trying to create new diagnostics or better care or something like that. But trying to make the patient experience better seems to be one way to deal with a lot of those problems, like you were saying, keeping it less fragmented. Do you think that a better patient experience could help deal with things like inflating healthcare costs and other big issues that the the industry is seeing? I mean, I think that the way that we look at it is, um, you know, if you think about how many hours a year you spend at the doctor, working with your doctor one or two hours, right, most of us, um, if we go at all. Um, But we deal with our health every hour of every day, right? So how can a health system become more effective at getting outside of our own walls, literally, and engaging with people on an ongoing basis about their ongoing health? You have a consumer market that's incredibly confused 
what supplements should I take? How much do I really need to exercise? What in the world should I put in that smoothie, right? All of those questions. Um, and you ask it like, you know, 30, 40, 50 of those questions a day, right? So how can you get that trusted advisor who is your doctor or your clinician to help you on an ongoing basis to do that? And you can use digital tools really powerfully to make that happen. Um, and I think all of us believe really strongly in that. Um, and you can see that in the products that we've built. Mm-hmm. Mary, I don't think we've actually mentioned this yet, but you were at Amazon for five years, yes. correct? And mm-hmm. at Microsoft, and Microsoft eight years uh-huh. before then. So you also obviously have a, a pretty strong yep. in- history in the tech industry. Do you have any advice um, like Mike did uh, for people who are in the tech world and interested in going into health but not quite sure what to do? You know, I mean, so we talk with entrepreneurs who want to get into healthcare. I I must talk to one a day. I love, I love, I love all the energy that's out there of people who really want to come in and solve the problems. I think that um, healthcare does a really terrible job of helping people understand um, what the mountains that you have to climb in order to succeed are. Um, You know, we've got four examples in the incubator where we're helping people over that hump. Um, I would love it if every health system in the country could bring in entrepreneurs and and give them the resources and the access and the ability to to do this work, because I think we could could bring the U.S. healthcare system a long, long way if we could do that. Um, But I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys have all heard this. The way things are right now, people say, oh, I'd love to work in healthcare, but boy, I never would. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. it's just, you just, that is a constant theme kind of out in the entrepreneurial community. And um, healthcare has a responsibility. The industry has a responsibility to fix that. Big picture. If I'm not in the health system, I'm a patient out there, I go to the doctor regularly, I may have procedures occasionally. What is feasible to change in the next three to five years to make the user experience of the healthcare system better for just the average patient out there based on what you're doing mm-hmm. and seeing? What, what could change? A personalization, I think. You know, kind of back to the Google example, right? How many times have you gone out and done a Google search and found 100 things that were totally irrelevant or that scared you to death, right? If we can drive a personalized, trusted experience for a patient, through using all kinds of, you know, machine learning and, and other things to be able to predictive analytics and all that stuff to be able to do that. Um, I think we can we can really impact some pretty incredible change. Yeah. I, going back to some of the other podcasts that you had from from Providence. So online scheduling, you used to have to make a phone call to book an appointment. Uh, so online scheduling vastly facilitates. Now there's more retail care convenience. I know my wife takes our children to the local pop-up clinic or the, you know, Walgreens, you know, express care uh, stores that Providence has because it's a lot easier than getting in front of your primary care doc or, you know, the family care doc. And people bring their consumer expectations in. You know, people use mobile first in so many things and they hit this healthcare into system. And you referenced earlier, someone's like, you know, solving the specialist referral. Well, it goes from like, I just want to book any appointment to, I want to book a specialist appointment to, I want my prescribed treatment program online and I want my doctor to know my involvement. If, if he's telling me to do something and I come in, I expect he knows whether I did that or didn't do that. And we have to rehash every single visit with, you know, some third party. Did you do it or didn't you do it? And, and we have lots of evidence that patients lie routinely to their doctors and a lot of things <laughs> about, well, did you eat better? Did you, you know, go exercise like I recommended? Do you, do, do you, you know, adhere to your medications? Like, uh, People forget, fib, lie, you know, 
We're all guilty of that. Bend the truth. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. Okay, it's time for The Fix. This is the segment where we ask our guests about the biggest problem they see in health and what could be done to fix it. It could be a frustration from their professional work or one that they encountered in their personal lives. There's just one rule. It can't be something that they're already working on. We spent our first several months incubating ideas in healthcare, thinking about wellness, diet, exercise, prevention, and nobody wants to pay. The provider says, well, I get paid the more I see you. Typically, I want you to get better, but in my little 10-minute visit with you, all I can tell you is, good luck, join the gym. Uh, <laughs> the, the payer says, well, you're probably going to switch off me in open enrollment in a year or two, so why should I be on the hook of paying for this expensive prevention program? And the employer is largely the one that thinks, well, I might have a three- to five-year relationship with you, so I'll do some nominal amount, but but not too much because when you're 65 and all those problems really manifest themselves as you age, that's somebody else's dime, so I'm not going to pay for it now. So if the entire industry looked at a LTV value, you know, typical tech, lifetime value, you would say that, you know, a dime spent today saves dollars in the future, and you would invest accordingly. But right now, there's no financial incentives to invest that dime in prevention today because nobody wants to be on the hook for paying for that because they don't see the, the return value and they think that the customer is going or the patient's going to shed to somebody else's responsibility. And I would love for the entire industry and CMS, the government, kind of really, really moves the needle in some of these, uh, these propositions. The entire nutritional exercise value of American society needs to, to get a little more focused on preventing those long-term chronic diseases. If you had a couple of Democratic legislatures up here, they may say, well, the solution to that would be single-payer health care system. Do you think that's one reasonable solution? Or do you think that there's other things like the industry, for example, can do? My, my two cents, I think you're going to end up with a single-payer solution that covers a baseline and people are going to be able to pay up into some additional benefits, be it the employers paying for those additional benefits or consumers that have the means are going to pay up for those additional benefits. But I think ultimately that's where we're going to end up. That raises an important question before we move on to Mary's fix. How much does healthcare reform and the limbo that's there or the lack of limbo or wherever it is right now, how, how much does that act as a limiter to you? Or do, are you waiting for things to happen there that you need to happen to see success ultimately? I guess I would say that there's nothing in the political spectrum that changes the problems. The problems are all still there. Mm-hmm. And any any fix is coming so many years from now that we just have to stay focused. I don't what do you what do you think? Yeah, I, I would think that we're trying to improve physician efficiency. We're trying to improve patient engagement and have more knowledge of patients in between episodes of care that allows you to intervene at the right moment. Uh, before problems get exacerbated. So I'd like to think that what Mary's working on, what what we're working on, will always be valuable. Improving efficiency, improving engagement, reducing costs, et cetera. Now, all of that said, uh, the government really moves the needle on adoption of services probably more than any other individual exercise would would move the needle. You ready for your fix, Mary? You know, I mean, I I mentioned it earlier. Um, 
I would actually fix um, kind of what we call the entrepreneur's dilemma in healthcare. There's so much energy out there, so much smart, knowledgeable energy that wants to fix healthcare's problems. Um, and we have to give them a place to land and learn and build great products and companies that, that help with health. And right now, we're just terrible at it. Um, as an industry, we've got to get better. Obviously, you've found a solution at Providence. Is there a solution in the broader industry to create more entrepreneurial energy, whether that's bringing in people from the outside or doing it from the inside? How would you do it? That's a good question. I did, <laughs> you know, I think we're unique here. You know, we're based in Seattle in this incredible entrepreneurial community. So, so we see the opportunity. I think um, we have colleagues in Boston. We have colleagues in Austin, Texas. We have colleagues in Chicago, um, San Francisco, who feel the same way. I mean, my hope is that a big group of health systems at some point can get together and, and work together to solve this problem. I think that that would be a great thing. And to do it in those regions where uh, the resources to do the work are. That's great. Well, this has been excellent. And once again, we've gotten some great questions from the audience. Thanks to everybody out there for watching. Uh, a big thanks to Mike McSherry and Mary Haggard uh, for, for joining us here. And we should point out Zelth is one of our Seattle 10 companies. That is one of the companies that's uh, up and coming here in the Seattle region, chosen by GeekWire's independent panel of judges. They'll be showcased at the upcoming GeekWire Gala at Mohai in December. Stay tuned in, and uh, thanks very much for watching. And a big thanks to Mike and Mary for joining us on the live stream. Oh, thank you, Thanks, guys. Claire. Thanks, Todd. All it right. Fun. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next time. You can follow Zelth on Twitter at Zelth. That is X-E-A-L-T-H. You can also follow the Providence Incubator, that's their digital and innovation group, at Prov Innovation. That's P-R-O-V Innovation. You've been listening to Health Tech, a GeekWire podcast about the cutting edge of digital health. Sponsored by Providence St. Joseph Health's digital and innovation group. Find more episodes at geekwire.com slash healthtech and subscribe through iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen. Until next time, I'm Todd Bishop. And I'm Claire McGrain. Thanks for listening.